Welcome back to the NHL Trade Deadline edition of Canucks Hour here on Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. NHL Trade Deadline coverage brought to you by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Do your feet hurt? Talk to a fitting expert today at 11 Lower Mainland locations or online at kintec.net. And I am very pleased now to be joined live in studio at Sportsnet 650 by former Canucks forward and Sportsnet 650 contributor. You hear him regularly on the People Show and Canucks Central every week. Yannick Hansen in studio with us. Yannick, thanks very much for dropping by. How are you? I'm good, and thank you for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure, and hopefully you'll be our uh, good luck charm to get the trades to pick up a little bit here. It's been a slow hour, not just for the Canucks, but around the NHL. So, fingers crossed we see some action uh, before the hour is out. Um, So, we wanted to start, Yannick, with, you know, you were obviously traded from the Canucks at the NHL trade deadline. And before we get into that experience specifically, just in general, for a player on a team that when you know your team might be selling at the deadline and you know there's at least a chance that you're going to be on the move, what is the actual day and even the few days leading up to the trade deadline like for a player in those circumstances? Well, for for my instances, I was fortunate enough to have a little bit of control. I, I had a, a no trade, so... Uh, Jim called uh, my agent up, uh, I, I want to say, a week, 10 days before the, the deadline and say, hey, we need your list. Um, so I kind of knew it was in, in the works that it might happen. Uh, I kind of knew where I could go. Uh, that being said, eight teams, it's all over North America still, so you really have no idea where you're ending up. But at least I know that he's thinking about it. Um, I, I remember that game against Detroit, and I'm going out for warm-up. Burr got traded, I believe, the day before, and I was like, this, this might be my last game I'm, I'm gonna take it all in um and skating around and warm up uh, looking forward to playing that last game i'm still on the line with with hank and danny so gonna make the most of it um walk off a warm-up and and willie pulls me aside and say hey you're you're getting undressed you're traded uh, or something and it's in the works he didn't know where i was going either um but again it, it is uh it's life-changing, altering uh, all those experiences because, like I said, I've been in, in Vancouver for 10, 11 years, a couple years in the minors with Winnipeg, but you're still in the organization. Uh, all of a sudden, you're, you're moving to somewhere completely different. You don't know anybody. I, I, of course, you're familiar with some of the players, but um, everything that goes into living in a different city, you have no clue. Um, just picking up your bag and get a phone number here, dial this guy, he'll get you set, they'll get you your visas, uh, where you need to go, who you need to talk to, uh, and then you pack your bags, you're gone. It's uh, it is, it's a stressful time. It's not fun. Um, once you land, uh, yeah, it is a great opportunity for me. San Jose was a great spot. They had a tremendous team, uh, could have done a lot more with a little bit more luck. Um, but again, the, the, the life side of it and family and all those things, uh, I don't wish it on a lot of people. Yannick, I'm, we gotta we gotta break down. There has actually been some news <laughs> since we started since we started on the other side of the break. The uh, Colorado Avalanche have acquired Arturi Lekkinen uh, for a second and Justin Barron, a pretty good prospect haul for the Montreal Canadiens. Additionally, Nick Letty has gone over to St. Louis, uh, package uh, around Jake Wallman and Oscar Sundqvist. But perhaps most importantly, the Canucks have made a move. They've claimed. One of your former teammates off of waivers, Yannick, Brad Richardson, is uh, is claimed off of waivers. Guy probably should never have left. What what do you remember about Brad? Or what do you think he'll bring to this group? Um, he was everything you want from a bottle line center. Uh, he is what we've been missing this year with, with Sutter being out. Uh, strong in the circle, good PKer, great in the room. Uh, 
works his his tail off. I know he he's older, uh, but but he still he has a lot of pride. Uh, he plays, if you will, the, the right way. Um, great teammate, uh, fun to be around, um, and again, somebody young players can learn from. This is a guy who doesn't have the the most skills in the world, um, but he's played in the NHL for I don't know 15 years now. Maybe uh, <laughs> yeah. he's been around for a long time. He's been on some very very good team. He's been on bad teams. Any experience you can run into as an NHL player, he has probably had a sniff of it. Um, so again, uh, uh, Brad was a like I said a great teammate of mine. Um, we had some some good teams while we were here. We had some unfortunate years when he was here. But but again, uh, uh, bottom line uh, is that he he's a guy who will come in. He'll fill a role, and he will know his role. Um, and and he will he will play that to a T. Yeah, so there's the update. Uh, the Canucks claim Brad Richardson, of course, former Canuck uh, from a few years ago now from the Calgary Flames on waivers. And just another quick update about the waiver situation. Uh, the Canucks signed European goalie Harry Sateri, but he had to pass through waivers before he was able to join the team. The Arizona Coyotes have claimed Sateri. So the Leafs do not get the goalie they were trying to bring across. We will see what that does uh, for the goalie market. And we'll see if now that the waiver process has been complete, if some more trades shake down, both for the Canucks and around the NHL. Uh, Also, of course, Peter Mrazek, uh, who the Leafs put on waivers, cleared. No surprise there. So we'll see what the Leafs do now that Sateri has not worked out as their goaltending plan. Um, Okay, so we haven't seen any trades today. Uh, from the Canucks, Yannick, but we did see them make a couple of moves yesterday. First, shipping out Travis Hamannick to Ottawa for a third-round pick and then sending a different third-round pick to the Leafs for Travis Dermott. What was your reaction to that series of moves for the Canucks? Yeah, I I like the idea of Hammer when he was signed in the first place. Uh, in the first place, I, I know him a little bit. Uh, trained with him in in some off seasons in Winnipeg. Um, he had that bit of a snarl to him. Big, heavy defenseman, uh, not flashy in any way. But but Vancouver had enough of those guys, so I, I felt like he was a guy who could come in and do that. He did that to some extent early on. Uh, Hammer has had a, an unfortunate run with with injuries. I, I don't know anything about the personal issues that kept them out in the beginning of this year um but but again the injury situation is obviously something that that's concerning when a guy ends up playing half a season or less um you you can't rely on that you you need guys that are here for for 70 plus games uh, uh to be significant contributors especially older players if you're bouncing in and out of the lineup as an older player you're, you're not in tune with the game it's a little easier with the young legs when you're younger to to come in and out and and not really miss a beat um, um, so again, I, I don't know uh, the, the the guy coming back other than than what I've been reading in in the news and seen in the media. But again, it seems like a young guy, uh, cheaper contract with some upside. Um, you need some some luck, uh, some things to pan out. Uh, again, you traded for JT Miller a, a couple of years ago. Nobody expected him to come come in and be the player he is now. You, you need some of those wins when you do the trades. Uh, and again, it would be nice to see uh, Dermer come in and again fill a role maybe you didn't anticipate take another step in a development curve because there's no question that he comes from a from a deeper d-line in 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 toronto he's going to get more opportunity here uh again to prove whether or not he belongs in the league or he is the player toronto shipped out yannick i'm curious to get your reaction to the club's performance on this homestand particularly in the context of the deadline. Like, wh- what is this team to you, and-, and where do they need to go 
whether it's at this deadline or, or in the offseason? Yeah, I really don't think that this weekend should dictate how they're going going forward because the holes they have are, are there regardless if they went 3-0 and over this weekend or whatever it was. Um, you, you still needed to pluck some significant hole, especially on the back end. You needed to determine what you have up front. Are you going long-term with, with JT Miller, Brock Besser, or, or are you looking at a different direction? Um, and again, I don't think two or three games should dictate that, but by anything, I think it's shown us that yeah, this team isn't, isn't quite where it needs to be in order to be really competitive are they good enough to be a playoff team I, I believe so I, I think they have enough talent in the room very unfortunate at the beginning of the year that they were where they were um, I think after Bruce took over that's more in line of of what they are they're they're obviously not as good as, <laughs> as they had played but but again they're, they're a playoff team in, in my mind if they had been in the right direction from the beginning um, but again are we talking about just being a playoff team? Or are we trying to build a team that hopefully can compete for a cup? It's one thing getting into the playoff and then you get bounced because you run into uh, Colorado or whoever it might be. Like, like yeah, great, we, we get four games, five games in the playoffs and then we're on the summer. No, I'd prefer to see some sort of uh, red thread here that, that proves that we're going in the right direction. It's not one step forward, two steps back. Oh, we want to make a playoff teams. No, I want to hopefully be around where you build a team and it's it's winning two or three rounds if we lose in a conference round so be it I'll take that any day because at least you're, you're right there and Margins is going to come down to injuries performance uh, guys going hot or cold but but at least you have a team that you could say okay it could have been our our year this year where right now there's there's still too many holes to where we can really say that that this team is uh, is a serious contender Yannick Hansen joining us here on the Canucks Hour trade deadline special. 50 minutes to go before the NHL trade deadline. And just to catch everyone up, uh, the Canucks have claimed Brad Richardson, former Canuck, of course, uh, on waivers from the Calgary Flames. We have plenty of people asking about Richardson's contract status. He's making 800000 this year. He's a UFA at the end of the year. So short-term solution right now. We'll see if there's an extension eventually for Brad Richardson. We also have people speculating uh, what this could mean for a potential Tyler Mott trade. We'll wait and see. But very interesting that the Canucks are bringing in a bottom six forward body uh, this close to the NHL trade deadline. Yannick, as you said, you know, the results from the weekend shouldn't necessarily affect what the Canucks do at the deadline because they're trying to build that stable, serious contender rather than just sneaking into the playoffs. I completely agree. But looking at the performance over the weekend, one of the things we saw again was the issue of slow starts and just frustrating effort from the Canucks in big, important games that, you know, had a lot of stakes for the team if they were trying to hang hang around in the playoff race. We've seen that so many times this year from this team. Do you have any sense of what's causing it? Is it is it a leadership issue? Is it a preparation issue? Why do they seem just so consistently to get out of the gate slow, even in really big, important games for the team? I don't know. If I, if I had the answer to that, I wouldn't be sitting here. I'd be sitting <laughs> in the other side of this. Um, it's it's mind-boggling, to be honest. It, it's one thing if it happens uh, once in a new moon, but but it seems like we see it, if not on a weekly basis, then in every five or six games they have one of these where the first period is a complete meltdown 
down and we've seen first periods where the Calgary game they won um, 7-1 that first period was not very good but Demmer kept them in and they were able to to regain their footing Um, it's very hard to play hockey that way because if you're down or even if you're not down the other team is into the game you're feeling the momentum there's only 40 minutes left of the game Uh, it's um, it's a very very hard way to play hockey Um, you always talk about it when you're in the dressing room you want to make the other team quit an easy way to make the other teams quick is coming out and and dominating in the first period you're up three goals they're it's easier to pack it in and say, okay, we're going to play the next game the next night. Let's just save a little bit, conserve our energy, and then look back. So it's it's uh, it's frustrating. You could see it in Bruce yesterday and uh, uh, I was at Hockey Night in Canada, his after hours. Like he, he said he'd tried a lot of things with them as well. Couldn't figure it out. Greener couldn't figure it out either. Um, at the end of the day, I've been asked this before, it's up to the individual player. It's not a coach's job to motivate players to play in the NHL. If you're not ready to play, you don't belong. Um, so it is, uh, you got to look, look internally here as to yourself and say, why, why am I not ready? Why are we not ready? And then if it's dropping a couple F-bombs before you go out the first period, so be it. But, but you, you can't have this happening again and again and again and not address it in a dressing room. And I'm sure they've addressed it, um, but, but it hasn't been fixed. Um, so again, we go back to culture. Again, is the culture the right setting here? It, it has gotten better under, under Bruce. Uh, again, I believe that in order for you to, to build culture, you need a winning team. Because winning breeds the right attitude, the right mentality, uh, putting yourself in front of the team instead of... You play a lot of these teams right now, Detroit, Buffalo, where mindset of a Buffalo and Detroit player right now is not okay I'm going to go out I'm going to chip it out the wall I'm going to make the right play get it in deep four check and then get off I'm going to do my job no you, you want to you want to pad your stats here because I might be looking for a new deal for next year I want to look as good as possible and when you think like that um, you, you're, you're cheating the game and it most of the time it's going to come back to bite you. Um, so it's a very, very slippery slope to get into. And playing these sort of teams, when you consider yourself on the playoff bubble, you you cannot play into that scenario where you're going track meet, um, back and forth, giving up two-on-ones, taking two-on-ones, because that's what they want. They want all these opportunities to pat their stats, get scoring opportunities, have fun games. They got 15, 20 games left of the season, um, and they want to play entertaining games. They, they don't they want don't want 20 shots either either side, and then we go home. So, uh, again, you you got to find a way to will yourself to play the style of game you want and then force the other team to play that way. Um, and again, Vancouver has a very, very hard time playing against these teams they on paper should be beating, should play against, should win against. Um, I think I saw yesterday they got one out of eight points against Buffalo and Detroit. And it's it's one of those things. If you consider yourself a playoff team, you have to win certain games, especially when, when you started out the way you did. And they've had a hard time winning those games where we say, okay, they're right there right now. They just won four, four in a row. Uh, we're two or three points out right now. We've made up some of those games the other teams have in hand. And then they have a stinker. Um, and that's really what's hurt them. They haven't been able to get over that hump to where they say, okay, now this is a game we have to have. And then we lose it. Um, so again, they, they found a way to kind of shoot themselves in the foot when they've put themselves back in a position to really be in the hunt. You said something really interesting there, Yannick, that I want to ask you about. 
you know, you said that uh, to build that culture, you need to have a winning team. And I think so often people think about it the other way, right? Like you build the culture and then your team is going to start winning. But I do think there's a kind of chicken and the egg thing there where it's hard to have a good culture if your team is not consistently getting results. And I think sometimes we think, okay, they need to add talent and they need to build culture. But to your point, you kind of have to do both at the same time. You have to put together a team that's capable of winning, and that's going to allow you to develop that culture in the, down the road too. Yes, it is, a, it is a very, very hard thing to do exactly. And again, I was fortunate enough that I came into a team that was already on the uprise. We were good. We were winning around or floating around second round. Uh, maybe could we make it to a conference final? So it wasn't really an issue of whether or not it was It was just whether or not how do we streamline this to become uh, even better than we were. So again, it, it's very hard to do. I've been on bad teams in Vancouver as well. And you start to venture into that where you're like, okay, well, we're out of the playoff now and let's, let's like, we don't want to play these, these boring games anymore that might be the right way. And over time, we'll win more games. No, let's let's get into a track meet here. I want to go on two-on-ones, three-on-twos with the Steens because they're not going to set me up. Um, and you cheat the game a little bit. Um, back in the day, it was a lot older teams. So the young guys that came in, myself, Alex Edler, Mason Raymond, Corey Snyder, uh, to some extent, Bern Kess, when, when we joined these teams, you had all of these older guys where if I turned the puck over, like I'd get chewed out. Uh, if I didn't play, put it in deep, I'd get chewed out. If Manny told me where he was going to put a face-off and I didn't win it for him, he'd chew me out for not winning a face-off. Uh, and it's one of those things where, okay, I, I know that this is one of those things I'm not going to get any credit for in the media after games. No, it's a face-off stat for Manny, but it means we start with the puck. And it's doing all of these little things that aren't um, getting you any credits or accordales, but it's what goes into winning. It's what, okay, he does it. Well, then the other three guys are doing it behind me too. And all of a sudden you have a culture of where we're playing the right way, we're doing the right things, we're all finishing our checks, nobody turning off. Yeah, it's easier. You go four check, the D moves the D to D. I swing around because I don't have to go through the guy. I don't have to stop and then skate 200 feet back. It's a lot easier way to play hockey that way. But over time, it's not the right way to play. So it's it's putting yourself or the team ahead of yourself. And that culture, like I said, it comes from winning because you see the product of it. And it's a lot more fun to do when you're winning and team are having fun. Um, so it is chicken and the egg, but, but it has to start somewhere. Um, but again, I think they've gotten away from, or not gone away from, gotten away with these mistakes, turnovers for too long here. Um, and it started from the top where we were seeing a lot of the top guys doing these turnovers again and again and again. And I, I get it, top guys need a longer leash. But when you see that from a bottom guy's perspective, you say, okay, he can do it now five or six times. Well, maybe I can do it too. And it just feeds into that mentality that, that you're not playing the right way and all of a sudden you see bottom guys turning pucks over and you never want to see that. Because, um, yeah, the top guys, they might turn it over once in a while, but the benefits outweigh the, the, the negatives where bottom guys, it it very rarely does the positive outweigh the negatives. So it is, uh, it is a hard thing um, creating culture. Also because of the turnover you see these days, like 
for, mm. for three or four years, maybe even longer in Vancouver. My generation, if you will, Edler, myself, Snyder, Mason, we were the youngest guys on the team. There were nobody coming in beneath, so there was no really rotation. Um, so, so it was just kind of going with the flow and, and maturing through as a team, uh, where now it's, it's five or six, seven new guys Every year, it's guys on entry-level deals that are uh, getting big roles, which maybe are they ready for it? Some guys are, some guys aren't. And I know it's a different different world we live in NHL-wise. Um, you have to do it. Um, but it's also why you're seeing, I think, a lot more of these contracts where like, you're mind-blown a couple of years later that he's making this because you're forced to make decision a lot earlier than you would have. So the track record from, from guys aren't as proven um, and you're, you're gambling. Do they turn out? Yeah, sure they do. Like We were still, when, when Demko got his deal, he played, uh, if I say a handful of games, it's like, oh, that's a lot of money, but it's a tremendous deal right now. Um, so it, it does happen and teams gamble, um, but it is a, it is, it's not luck. It isn't pure luck, but, but it, there is a lot of luck involved right now, um, not only in the draft picks, which it always was, but, but now also with the, the long-term deals. Um, you, 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 dra- or you, you trade for Connor Garland, and right away you sign him to a long, long deal with, with a lot of money. Um, you hope it, it pan out right now. He's probably on the edge of, yeah, this could go either way. Um, but, but it's one of those where, where you need some, some wins on your, um, on your account. A quick update for the listeners. Uh, Colorado Avalanche having acquired Lekin and have now traded a fourth-round pick to the San Jose Sharks for Andrew Cogliano. Uh, this was one of the teams that, you know, we'd heard it had potentially circled back uh, with Vancouver this morning, but looks like they've gone elsewhere to add some speed up front. Yannick, the way that Bruce Boudreaux has played, right, leans so heavily on an aggressive forecheck to feed this team's offense. And, what, what I sort of see when this team plays is against the teams that have some back-end speed that can break Vancouver's forecheck with any consistency, I'm not sure that there's enough of a plan B in, in terms of how this team transitions. Uh, what are you seeing as, you know, one of the, one of the most notable uh, forecheckers in this club's recent history? What are you seeing from this club's systems play? Uh, and do they have the personnel, in your view, particularly on the back end, to, you know, play a style that'll suit the skill sets of some of their best players? No, there's no question Bruce doesn't have the players he needs. I, I think the last two games, yeah, they have some injuries, but where we've seen a line of uh, Chieson, Nick Patan, and, and Pod Colson, and truth be told, that, that, that's not an NHL line. Um, each of them have some some things to offer, um, but but as a line together, that's probably why Brad Richardson is coming in to to be that fourth line center right now and, and fill mm. that hole. Um, again, it's very hard to roll uh, a forecheck, and if you want to consider yourself a really good forechecking team, it has to be from the top line all the way through because it has to come in wave. There can't be any breaks. Um, once it start breaking out, then D's get a little bit hesitant. Guys are, oh, who is out here right now? What, what are we going to be doing? Are we going to be sitting a little bit back? Are, are these guys more skilled? No, no. It has to be, it has to be an automatic, and it has to be no matter who's out there. If there's a switch up in lines, it, it doesn't matter. Um, Bruce got these guys going. 
in a sense that all of a sudden they got the green light. It wasn't just a one-man four-checking team like we saw under Travis Green. It, it was two and three, and it plays into the hands of of our skilled guys. And it is the right way to play with this team. It's not a team who can sit back in, in the neutral zone and and prey on turnovers no they, they have to go um, the skill is up front right now you, you mentioned at the back end uh, it's been a sore spot for, for a long time um, we were hoping that OEL could come in and fill a little bit of that um, again he, he's not the solution entirely in himself they, they're going to need more um, but but again it's, it, it comes back to the same thing as the PK personnel still um, there, there's still quite too many holes in this lineup for where you're saying okay this is a, this is a team that on any given night we, we, we can beat anybody you can still beat anybody but, but right now you need a lot of things going right for you it's not uh, it's not just a coin flip Yannick one of the situations that we're tracking the most closely is is that involving Tyler Mott and and a Will they resign him? Will will he be dealt? Will they hold? Uh, you know, that's one of the few pressure points that we're sort of expecting to play out over the course of the next 35 minutes leading up to the deadline. Uh, Mott seems to be a player kind of in a mold that I'd assume is relatively close to your heart. Um, what are you seeing there? What, in your view, should the Canucks do in proceeding with Tyler Mott? It doesn't really matter, uh, truth be told. Um, you're getting a third or fourth line back um they traded burr for that they traded myself for that uh what's really left of that um it, it's down to the to the fringe right now and yeah you might get lucky and that third or fourth round pick might pan out you might trade it for a derm like it, it's it, the changes that i feel like i want to see that you need to see need to be more extensive than than a tyler mod uh fourth fourth third round draft pick in order to see significant changes you're talking about moving out money uh 1.2 is is not money that's going to make a difference uh down down the down the line again tyler mod i I love him as a player Uh, he brings a lot of skill set that this team needs he's the fourth line checker uh four checker penalty killer that we don't have enough of um so if they sign him no issues with that if they trade him no issues with that my only concern is if they sign him uh, what's the value how much because uh, that's really what it comes down to now it, it's nickels and dimes uh, it's making sure that your guys are on good contracts team-friendly contracts um, I mentioned this the last week I think it was that JT Smith's contract those are the type of contracts you win Stanley Cups with those are the kind mm-hmm. of contracts that allow you to add a 3 million dollar players cuz JT Miller I think he makes 5.2 right now in theory he should be making 8 or or even more uh, and when he makes that money well that's that's a Tanner Pearson going out of the dressing room that that's uh, a fourth um, fourth defenseman going out of the dressing room so you you need these type of deals coming together at the right time when you have other sort of deals like this hopefully with a couple of entry level deals in order to make it happen so the last five or six years, we've seen too many deals here in Vancouver that have been player-friendly, where it was like, oh, you're making a little bit too much. Um, the term is, is one thing, um, but but again, the actual dollar on the individual year, that's where I want to start seeing some of these deals playing out in, in Vancouver's favor. Uh, Quinn Hughes' deal, fantastic deal. Like he, he's, he's a number one defenseman playing at probably $2 million under what he should be making. So again, the more of those deals you're getting, you can start adding 
on the fringe of this team. So when you have your core set that's signed for a long term, um, you can start adding quality players around a Tyler Toffoli you bring in because you have two or three million to spare at the deadline. Um, but if your players, Tyler Mott makes 500,000 too much, your Tyler Myers make two million too much, the, those, those, are, those are the type of deals that will hurt you when you're trying to build a team that are, that are a contender. Uh, quick update here before we take a quick break. Yannick Hansen joining us in studio on our trade deadline special here on Canucks Hour Sportsnet 650. Another trade in the NHL. Zach Sanford is on the move from Ottawa to Winnipeg for a fifth-round pick going back to the Senators. So the Sens continue to be active, uh, moving players out. And interestingly, the Jets uh, continue continue to add players leading up to the deadline as they perhaps try to take a run, a late-season run, at a playoff spot. We'll get lots more reaction to everything happening around the NHL. All quiet with the Canucks right now, but still a half hour to go before the NHL trade, de- trade deadline. It's myself, Jamie Dodd, Thomas Drance, and Yannick Hansen here on Canucks Hour on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to the Canucks Hour trade deadline special here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd alongside Canucks insider insider Thomas Drance and, of course, former Canucks forward and Sportsnet 650 contributor Yannick Hansen with us uh, until, right up until, the noon deadline as we await, hopefully, fingers crossed, (laughs) at least for my own sake, for some Canucks fireworks here before the deadline. As a reminder, NHL trade deadline coverage brought to you by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Do your feet hurt? Talk to a fitting expert today at 11 Lower Mainland locations or online at kintec.net. And Yannick, we talked a little bit about the Tyler Mott situation. And as you said, you know, sign him, extend him. There's bigger moves that need to happen for this team. And you start to look farther up the lineup. One of the names we've heard mentioned in connection to different contenders and even some non-contending teams today is Connor Garland. And Garland is such an interesting player as a trade chip for me because... You know, in theory, he checks a lot of boxes for the Canucks. He's relatively young. He's on a, an affordable deal. He's been productive this year. He can play in your top six. But you also understand, you know, why that would make him attractive to a lot of other teams and you might be able to get something good for him. How do you see Garland, not just as a trade chip, but also how he fits with the way that Bruce Boudreau and Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin want this team to play? Yeah, he, he's one of those guys you want around your core. Um, he's signed to a long-term deal now, but but I wouldn't consider him a, a core guy per se. But but he's one of those guys that you want on the fringes. Uh, Tanner Pearson, uh, those guys that fill out the, the roster, whether it's top six. I, I prefer Garland in, in a top six uh, role. He has those skills to really complement a, a skilled centerman. Um, he seemed to have worked uh, somewhat decent with, with Pedersen before Pedersen went, went, went down. Um, he has a lot of intangibles, like you said. He draws a ton of penalties. Um, it's an unheralded stat as well. Um, he is phenomenal on his on his edges. His skating is something that uh, if, you, if you enjoy hockey, you really enjoy the way he moves out there. Um, so so he, he brings a lot of stuff to you. He's got the right age. Um, again, his contract, will, we'll see a year or two from now whether or not it was a good or a bad deal or, or just the right thing. Um, but, but again, um, you trade him, you're, you're looking at trying to find something similar. Um, and that's where it's, um, it's very hard to, to judge or what are you getting back because you don't know the, the product yet. 
um, and again, what what is the what is coming back? Is it just is it just future draft picks? Um, is it a young young guy with upside? Uh, is it a defenseman? Do we have to fill a forward hole now? Um, I, I will say this, uh, Jim had a lot of holes going into the summer, and I think when we were talking about this in the summer, we were saying there are six or seven, eight holes that needed to be filled. Uh, he filled a lot of them. Uh, some of them worked out. I will say Garland worked out. OEL worked out to some extent. I wish he wasn't making as much as he was. Um, I wish I don't remember him as a Norris Trophy defenseman. Um, Dickinson didn't work out. Uh, Pullman didn't work out uh, so, so so far. So so you need some wins here. Um, and again, um, Garland, I feel like you, you trade him um, when you don't really know what you have yet. Um, I, I'd be more inclined as to, to move uh, maybe somebody who's making a little bit more money um, that haven't quite lived up to the expectation now for, for a number of years. Yannick, do you have any concerns when you watch Garland play uh, about whether or not his game will translate when the games are at their highest stakes, right? Like when, when it's a really heavy game, like one of those regular season games with big implications are in the playoffs. Do you have any concerns about his game in those types of situations? Not his games. Uh, the other holes in the lineup, yes. Because um, mm-hmm. that's where I feel like, and again, I'm nitpicking here, but you let uh, you let McEwen go uh, early in the season um, and you kept your other... I want to say almost four or five identical bottom six guys who provide the same style of play as each other, like Highmore, Mott, uh, Lamico, um, to some extent, one or two more. They're the same type of player. There's nothing wrong with them. They played very well lately, um, but they all provide the same style. None of them has... uh, McEwen would be adding some toughness. Uh, mm. None of them will run a guy through the end wall. Um, that's where I, f- I feel like you could have rounded out your team a little bit more. I'm not saying it has to be Zach McEwen, um, but somebody like that that has a little bit of an intimidating factor. Uh, somebody who, even when the game is, is for nothing, well, you, you can still run a guy through the end boards and still make guys play honest and like okay that's it's not fun playing against Vancouver it's pretty fun to play against Vancouver right now um, uh, you might lose the game but but uh, the chances of you getting run over unless you you run into Tyler Myers once a month or or Luke Shen there, there's not a lot of uh, not a lot of bark out there um, and if I take liberties on on Quinn Hughes well but who, who's going to come after me um, I'd like to see a more well-rounded team, if you will. So when you speak to Conor Garland, yeah, he might not shine in that type of game, but I don't need him to. I need other players to step up and fill that void um, and provide that so that he doesn't get intimidated, so that he knows that he, when he comes to the bench and he's been face-washed and ragdolled, well, s- somebody's got my back. Yannick, 20 minutes till the deadline. What what do you want to see from this team? Like what 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 do they need to do here? Do you think it's okay if they, you know, I don't want to use the word punt or kick the can down the road, but if they're conservative over the next twenty twenty minutes, which you know at this point 
Time's running late, right? Seems relatively likely. Is that is that good enough? Um, so they're not in, in dire need, like you say. We still have control over Brock Besser, JT Miller, Bo Horvath, if those are the guys you, you're, you're talking about. They're, they're not leaving this this summer. So, no, it wouldn't be a nightmare scenario that one of those guys walk for free. Um, but looking back over the last couple of days, what they're getting for players that I feel like aren't uh, as good as these guys uh, you'd have to take a real hard long look that if you're going to move these uh, I would I would be inclined to do it now because I think you're going to get more now uh, that you will in the summer like who in their right mind would pay more for JT Miller with with one playoff season versus two so it's it's one of those things that uh, you you really need to be sure that you know what you're going to be doing uh, and I know you can't sign an extension to him right now but but you got to know what he's going to want and what it will cost you in the summer if you're going to re-sign him and, and then say to yourself am I okay with with paying a, a 30-year-old JT Miller eight and a half nine million a year uh, for five or six years um, and then make the decision based on that and if you make the decision that you're going to start moving these guys then then I don't want to see them just move one guy that then it's more than then I want to see a little bit more of an overhaul um, I feel like this group, um, they've had a long time together now, um, and they haven't outside of the bubble. And, uh, we have a lot of time to talk so we can go a little bit deeper in this, like the bubble. <laughs> I don't know if they should have been there to begin with. If that mm. season plays out, I don't think they make the playoff. Um, they were playing not very good. Um, they were a couple of points still uh, in the playoff spot at that point. Yeah, they caught fire. It was the best time of hockey since uh, 2011, probably, or it was. So it, it was fun to see. Um, but but it it's gone one way since then. Uh, and it's the same group. Uh, they've gotten older. They matured. They're most of them in their right age right now. You'd think they were taking steps in the right direction. Um, they're in a easy division this year if you will um, nobody had anticipated Calgary being uh, being what they were myself included um, but on paper they, they should have had no problem making the playoff in this division and then we'll see where it goes from there um, but but again these guys have had uh, quite a while together now um, so so maybe it is time to, to start thinking about moving some some vital pieces and like I said uh, if you're talking about moving JT Miller or Brock Besser well it, it's either it's either both or none in, in, in my book because um, if you're moving one of them then you're sending a clear signal that, that we're, we're kicking this can down the line and we're going to hope to be better uh, not next year but, but three or four years and then JT he is probably too old and and again Brock is a guy that you could probably flip for for something that will pan out down the line when when Patterson Quinn Hughes are, are a little bit older and and hopefully uh, more mature you mentioned if you're okay with signing a 30 year old JT Miller would you be like would you be do you think this club with where they're positioned can do a big money deal for JT Miller when his when this current contract expires, at which point he'll be 30. Can they do a long-term deal with where their team is at right now? Yeah, that that's the scary part because I'm leaning towards a no, but he's been so good. Uh, yes. but, but you have you have a year and a half left where he's making 5.2 I was hoping hoping I say this that they would make the playoff this year um, and then next year would, would be the year where they still have Bo they still have him on this deal uh, I had hoped that Hooklander would take another step forward he'd still be on an entry level deal um, they had a 
bunch of contracts that could afford you to have OELs making too much money, but it doesn't matter because we have all these guys that are making less than they should. Um, we're now all of a sudden Pedersen coming into a new deal. What, what's that going to look like as well? Um, so that there, there's a, there's a lot of uh, a lot of issues there to take. And again, the the number again on on JT Miller is what worries me a little bit. Uh, you saw Tommy Hurdle sign for for eight point one eight years. Uh, it's it's a lot of long contracts <laughs> with yep. a lot of money. Um, so it's one of those things uh, the cap can save you uh, yeah if it goes up things goes well um but all of a sudden you're putting your chicken or your eggs in one basket that that you're getting some relief there um that's why you you, you need to find you need to you need a, a Travis McDermott to work out um, to mm. come in and become a top four defenseman making one and a half because then you can afford these deals where he's like oh that's a lot of money but he's a really good player uh, and you need him um but if you don't have enough of these wins, then you can't have the other the other contracts as well. Um, so again, if I'm in that room, I'm looking at my team real hard, and I'm thinking like, where are we going? Are we uh, are we contending two or three years from now, or do we need um, do we do we need to to kick us down the line a little bit further? And Yannick, we were talking about OEL just a little bit ago, and obviously he's been in the spotlight for his play in recent weeks after starting the season uh, so strongly for the Canucks. And just in general, beyond OEL, you know, talking about you can't get in a situation with Miller where you're paying him such big money down the road. And, you know, in large part, that's because they already have big money committed to Oliver Ekman Larson, to Tyler Myers as well in the defense. And, you know, with Oliver Ekman Larson specifically, what have you seen from him in recent weeks and going forward? You know, that Myers pair was so good for, for so many months for the Canucks, but what kind of defenseman do they need to pair with Oliver Ekman Larson to get the most out of him uh, going forward since he is making such big money for the Canucks? Uh, you need what Luke Shens provide for uh, for Quinn Hughes. You needed what Tanner, Tanner um, uh, Chris Tanner provided for, for Quinn Hughes. Um, Tyler Myers and, and OEL is the same player in my book. They're, they are not the same in stature, um, but they're puck-moving defensemen. They like to skate. They like to join the rush. They like to take chances. Uh, they get caught. They pinch sometimes when they shouldn't pinch. Um, but but you need somebody to clean up that mess for them. Uh, you'd like there's only so much puck to go around when you're out there. Um, you like that defenseman to just throw it across and let OEL deal with it. Let him join the rush. Let him make it a four-on-three. Uh, let him carry the breakout. Um, let the other guy clean up in front of the net, finish guys in the corners. Um, I prefer that that pairing where you have the puck mover with uh, somebody who is a little more physical, stay at home. And he doesn't have to be physical in every single line because Chris Tanev was not physical in any way, but he's one of the best defensive defensemen I've ever played with. Um, you were never in your own end, always getting out, um, breaking up two-on-ones. <laughs> like, it's a breeze to play with these guys, and they get no love. Um, they just get ice bags after the game. Um, <laughs> so it, it's one of those things that you'd love to see the pairings were because we do have a lot of puck moving defensemen. Like you have a Rathbone as well coming up. You have obviously Quinn. You have OEL. You have Tyler Myers. But but I can't have I can't have those four in the lineup at the same time. And we're talking about money. And I'm feeling like this Rathbone he could come in and alleviate some of the puck moving that Tyler Myers does at a lot cheaper deal, free up some money. But again, you need on the other side of this then uh, a little bit more stay at home. So. 
in theory, you'd prefer a stay-at-home defenseman with a puck-moving defenseman. So everybody knows uh, puck goes east to west on the D side. Well, it's coming to the guy who's moving the puck and he's joining the rush. Because it's, it's very nice for a forward to know that you have that thing coming. Because odd man rushes is so much easier to play. You can't pinch off. You can't get locked down. You can just chip it in and, and move it along. If you get taken out, it's a three-on-two instead. Um, so it's very nice to have those guys. Um, but again, th- th- there's got to be a harness in it too. So there's got to be a, a safety belt, if, if you will. And that is the Luke Shen that, that are playing with Quinn Hughes. You don't have to worry about him all of a sudden coming up, taking the puck from Quinn and, and joining the rush. Um, and again, uh, finding those guys, they're a little bit easier, they're a little bit cheaper, um, but, but they go a long way. A uh, few more minutes here with Yannick Hansen live in studio, 10 minutes before the deadline. Quick update from Darren Dreger. He says, all indications are Andrew Kopp is headed to the New York Rangers from Winnipeg. That's since been confirmed uh, by Frank Saravelli and others. Dreger also says Rangers may also be working on Tyler Mott. So that is the first uh, real concrete connection we've heard with Tyler Mott and another team ahead of the deadline. Again, 10 minutes to go. As we all know, deals can break after the deadline as well. So Drager reporting that the New York Rangers might be working on a Tyler Mott pickup. We will keep you posted, obviously, as soon as that comes out. Yannick, with (laughs) the idea of the Rangers getting Mott, right? Just... As you look around the league, you mentioned some of those seasons early on, before 2011, when your club was in the second round, right? And, and there were some of those seasons where I actually think you guys probably did have a realistic shot at winning the Cup if things had, had broken differently or, or what have you. But but there's sort of this I, – I sort of see this league right now as there's like five teams that I'd expect to win the Cup, right? Calgary, Carolina, probably Tampa, Florida, and, you know, let's say uh, Colorado, right? So, I mean, Florida's clearly up there, Faber. So, the... Okay, okay. So, but then there's then there's some other teams that I don't think we'd be stunned by if they won. You know, your Bostons, your Pittsburghs, um, you know, your Torontos, teams like that. Um, for you, for you, do you sort of agree with those tiers? Who do you see as, like, a big threat, a team that you watch and think, oh, boy, that team is going deep this season? Well, there, there's no question, Colorado. Uh, again, you 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 hope that that they'll get healthy and back in it. Um, I also hope just for the way they play, they're entertaining. Um, there's a lot of entertaining teams now. Uh, I love the way Florida plays too. Florida plays with a lot of snarl. Um, they added Bennett. I thought that was a, a key element to that team as well. Uh, a couple of years ago, he provides something that Hubido, Barkov, none, none of these guys do. Um, they, they did a little bit of an X factor sometimes. He step over the line, but uh, Carolina as well has has a deep team now, so there are a couple of teams. Um, but again, once you get into a series and deeper into a series, that's why all these guys are loading up. That you never know what will happen. Um, so if you don't have to face Colorado in the first round, you don't have to face Florida in the first round. Well, then, then I then I bolster my team too because you never know what happens. Uh, injuries and all these things. So I, I can completely agree why. why Rangers are loading up on these, um, what do you say, bottom six forwards because you saw what the, um, 
Barkley Goodrell Coleman did for did for Tampa for a couple of years, um, uh, providing that uh, secondary, uh, what do you say, third rank scoring for them, even uh, killing penalties, uh, playing all these minutes. You you don't want your key guys, your top guys, blocking shots in the playoff as well. Uh, you know the other team will say, oh, they'll see Pedersen out there in the first uh, first game or first round, like break his foot. And then we don't have to play against them the rest of the series. Um, so it's one of those things where, where you want you want depth and you want the right guys playing in the right position. Um, you wanna you wanna tee your team up, set it up in, in the best way for them to do the the best they can. And that is why you're seeing all these teams that are not quite at the pinnacle, the the, the favorites to win, um, but they definitely see themselves winning a round, if not two rounds. And then let's see what Florida looks like in the conference final. Let's see what, what Colorado looks like after 10, 12, 14 hard-fought games. Uh, pure fire, as always. Fantastic insight from Yannick Hansen here on Sportsnet 650. Yannick, thanks for coming in and doing the whole hour with us. We'll let you get back to your day. And uh, after the dust settles here on trade deadline, we'll hear from you throughout the week on Sportsnet 650 as well. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. That is Yannick Hansen, former Canucks forward and Sportsnet 650 contributor with some fantastic insight ahead of the NHL analyst. trade deadline. Yeah, absolutely nailing it as awesome. usual. And our uh, our text message inbox is overflowing with support for Yannick Hansen and delight in his insight. So that was awesome. Uh, five minutes, just over five minutes to go here before the NHL trade deadline. Some news, some rumors, reports percolating about Tyler Mott. We will see how it all fu- how it all finishes here, coming down right to the finish line. Uh, Satyar Shah is going to join us for a Canucks deadline reaction roundtable. Coming up next, it's the Canucks Hour on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.